you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue on. We're finishing up today. We're actually wrapping up a series that I did on preaching that I wanted to share with you guys. And uh, this is out of the book of John, chapter 14, and this is the second part of it right here. So listen up. I don't know about you, but I am really glad that our Father has prepared a place for us. I am so glad that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has prepared a place for us. Man, I'm going to go home. It's going to feel, I'm going to see mom. I don't, I don't know if it's going to smell like spaghetti and meatballs, but I know it's going to be the best place I've ever been. I know there's going to be nothing better than that. And, and, and man, we're going to be there. And we're going to all be together. And, you know, we moved a bunch of times, 20-something times during our Army career. It seemed like we were always moving. We were always getting stationed somewhere else. We were never home. And, and to Debbie's credit, I'll say, I remember coming home in Germany, and Germany was a nightmare. What happens when you move overseas is the Army loans you stuff. And then they loan you like industrial furniture. I mean, they give you something so the couch is made for 70 people to jump up and down on it. It'll still be okay. <laughs> but it's the least comfortable thing you ever laid on. The, the beds are like they took plywood and wrapped them with a little bit of foam over the top. And, and I remember one day all the household goods came in. And I remember all the German people unloading and everything and, and, and speaking and talking. And I remember saying to myself, Debbie's like, okay, all of you just get out of here for a while. So that's, that's our cue. We get it. You know, the boys and I get it. We're like, hey, you know, let's go to the German version of Chunky Cheese, Chuck e. Cheese or whatever. Let's, let's go to the PX. Let's go hang out. And we came back a few hours later, and the house looked like a house. And that was the story of our life, and I'm so thankful for that. Debbie would always get everything. We would set up before we left. We would set up the bed and the couch, and we'd get out of Debbie's way. It's just like, let's get out of here. Let's let her do that. But we got a place to believe in, folks. We got a place to rest in. Uh, I'll tell you, God's got our backs. Uh, let me tell you, don't worry about those types of things. The other side's all right. I was just talking to my brother a little while ago about the other side. And I was telling him, I think all these pains show up and all these things we go through just to make us want to go to the other side. We're not looking to numb ourselves. No, we want to feel every bit of this. Because when we get to the other side, man, it's going to be great when we get to the other side. It, it's, uh, there's going to be no, no 200 bottles of 800 milligram Motrin there, Jeff. There's, uh, we used to come home with the, in the Army. They used to give us so much Motrin, it was crazy. Then after five years of all that Motrin, they started giving us 200 bottles of stomach pills. <laughs> Don't forget to take, take this, too, so we can fix your stomach. So, number one, it gives us a person to believe in. Number two, a place to rest in. Look at verse number three with me. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you, Unto myself, where I am, there you will be also. Isn't it a wonderful thing that he gives us a promise, a promise to rely on? So he gives us that person to believe in, that place to rest. And then he gives us his promise. He said, listen, I've got your back. Folks, I want you to know that I don't travel anywhere without knowing where I'm staying. If Debbie and I, Jeff takes care of us, has the hotel room waiting for us here, and we're set out here at Russian Concordia Village, and boy, God did a great work out there with the PTSD people. We always had all levels of people out there. 
Uh, you got people that don't even want to get out of their car and come in to people who won't leave you alone, praise God, and everything in between, and, and people who are so tired they kind of go to sleep late. But people, when God's word starts talking to people, and they're willing to say, you know what, this isn't that bad after all. You know, when God starts talking to people, we've got that promise to rely on. I don't go anywhere without being protected by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I've accepted Jesus Christ exactly where I am. I have that reservation. When I leave this earth, that reservation's in place. My bags are packed, folks. I'm ready to go. I'm not, I don't want to. I want to hang with the kids a little longer. I think they need to live up to their bargain. We put them through college. They can give us grandkids, praise God. They need to do that probably, but it's okay. I'm ready to go. We have a promise. We have a reservation. We have a promise, folks. I don't know about you, but we have a promise this morning. Get excited about that because let me tell you, there's a lot of people in this world today that don't have a promise. And so remember that we have a person to believe in. We have a place to rest in, and we have a promise to rely on. Now we have a pathway, a pathway. You like that way I did that with the peas this morning, right? We do that. We go all through seminary just to be able to do that, praise God. Look what it says, and whither I go there in verse 4, in the way you know. And look at Thomas goes to him, and Lord, we know not where thou goest, and, and, and how can we know the way? I love Thomas. I'm Thomas. I'm the guy who would be asking God, Lord, how do we know the way? I mean, aren't there a few Thomases out here? Come on. There's a few Peters among us. Yeah. Jeff's raising his good hand. <laughs> Jeff, raise your left hand and let us know. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the whole shoulder surgery thing. In verse number six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man. Listen, folks, there's only one way. There's only one truth. And there's only one that can bring you to eternal life. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by him. I'll tell you, in the army, the number one failure, you know what the number one, I can't stand still. I told you guys about my ADHD and my OCD and my DUMB, and it's real, man. I just can't stand behind a pulpit. It freaks me out. But this is what I'm thinking. When we came in the army, the number one thing that people failed was land navigation. Thank God they came out with these... Uh, uh, these systems today where you have, you can go ahead and plug in ways or something like that, and, and uh, you can follow directions. Man, when I came, people would get lost everywhere. It was terrible. They would give us a compass and a map. Now, folks, it, you know, today people pay money to go out in the middle of the woods, and they give you a compass and a map. You don't have to pay money for that. You can just join the Army. And, and uh, man, I went in the Army, and it was called land navigation. And they would give you this big map, and you would kind of try to stand in the middle of the map with your, with your eyes there and say, okay, there's a hill over here, there's a river over here, I'm standing here in the map. And they would give you this grid coordinates and say, you have to go to this grid coordinates by this grid coordinates, and you'd make a mark on the map, and, and man, you would try to find that coordinates, and you would count your steps. You had to know how far you were walking, so you had to measure your step. So the Army goes out of the way in basic training to get a perfect 30-inch step. But when you walk in the woods, you've got to know how many steps you take at 100 yards. I know that messes you up, right? So all of a sudden, you're, you're walking on regular flatland, and you're saying, okay, it takes me, uh, you know, 100 steps to go 100 meters. But when I'm in the woods, it's, and man, you've got to calculate. It's hard. And people fail that. So in basic training, what happens is they let you go out as a group. And your group finds their way. And it's easy in basic training because you can just follow the paths that everybody's made for the last 25 years. 
And then when you go to your first NCO school, yeah, once you realize all you got to do is follow the path, it's like, a, it's like a watershed moment. You're like, praise God, somebody left a path here. And, uh, uh, but then all of a sudden, you go to your first NCO school, and they give you a compass, they drop you off, it's all wooded, it's all messed up, and there's a couple of you that go, and somehow you make your way through that. And the next course is a little bit harder, but then we ended up in what they called ANOC at the time, Advanced Non-Commissioned Officer School. A course, and and I remember I went there. And I was with a bunch of people, and they would drop us off in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night, all by ourselves, with a compass and a map. And what they did the first time they took us way out in the woods is they took a flashlight and they put it right in our eyes. It's like whoa! And they blinded you, so you had to get your night vision again. And they kicked you out of the jeep, and they said, "Get out." And then you'd get your night vision, and you'd have to go through the middle of the woods and find your wood out, uh, way out. And we did that maybe three or four times, five times. We had to find our way out, and, and it worked. And then that final exam came, and at, at 12.30 a.m. in the night, in the morning, we all jumped in the vehicles, and they dropped us off in the middle of the woods, and they gave us a compass, and they gave us a map. And first thing I did was cover my eyes so nobody could shine a light in my eyes. And they, when they stopped and said, get out, I opened the door and rolled out on the ground, covering my eyes. And what they told us is, the first person to get in, the very first person to get in has today off, tomorrow off, Sunday off, and all day Monday off, we're giving you a four-day pass. It became personal to me, folks. I wanted that four-day pass. That, yeah, I, I had to win it. You know, there's a competitive spirit amongst all of us Army guys. And I remember I'm going through the woods, and it took hours. And I saw the sun coming up, and I got to my last. There were six places I had to go to. And when I got to my last one, I, I remember I got the great coordinates. I looked up, and as I was walking, I could see the first sergeant as the sun came up sitting at a table out there drinking a cup of coffee by the gut truck. Remember the gut trucks? And uh, those trucks that would pull up with the old egg salad sandwiches. Anyway, um, I see him sitting by, and, and I just start going to him. This other guy comes out of the woods over here, and I realized I'm first. And I'm running as fast as I can, and this little guy comes out of the woods over here, and he can run faster than me. So I dump my backpack, and I mean, I'm sprinting everything. My helmet's going up and down. My M16 is digging into my back. And I go running up, and I hit the first sergeant. I'm like, first sergeant, president, first one here. He says, Carragher, you won. Because we, we couldn't stand this other guy. This other guy. But he dropped it. The first sergeant's like, shut up. Did I give you permission? Like, Get out of here. So I got a four-day, so I'm feeling good about myself. It's right in the morning. I stop at the gut truck. I get an egg sandwich. I'm walking back to the barracks. Hey, folks, hold on to that thought for a minute. We'll be right back with you. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. I clean it. I, I got my gear all cleaned up. I go to bed. I put a sticky on my door that says, leave me alone until Tuesday, I won. And I'm the leader of the group. I was the highest ranking person there at knock. I had signs, don't bother knocking or you'll hear my weapon a cocking. You know, just terrible stuff. I had all these notes all over my, and I went to bed. I was tired. And I got to bed and just about the time I showered, it took me about 20 minutes to get all that camouflage off my face. And, 
And, and, and I remember I hear pounding at the door. I went running to the door and I said, what's wrong with you guys? Can't you read? They said, Carragher, we're missing two men. They didn't make it in. The test is over. They failed. And I'm like, oh, no. Hurried up. I put my uniform on and I went out to the middle of the woods and I grabbed a speaker and a microphone and I took my assistant class leader. He was driving that Humvee up through the woods and as we went through the woods, I'm, I'm on the microphone and I'm yelling these guys' names. I remember the first one got to the car. We saw him, and he waved us down. He got in the car, and he was crying. He said, Carragher, tell him I finished. Let me finish. I only got one more spot. I said, you failed. You didn't know where you were going. It's okay. We'll go back and talk to the first sergeant and the commander, and he was crying. I remember we went down the road a little bit, went down some side roads, and I'm on the microphone yelling the guy's name, and I saw him wave. And then we put him in the back of the Humvee, and he was crying. He was saying, Carragher, I failed my test. I, I'm not going to get promoted. I, 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 I'm going to have to retire as an E6. I, I'm not going to make it. And I said, we'll go back and talk to the commander and the first sergeant. I remember I got him back. I got the weapons turned in. We got everything cleaned up, and I met him down in the first sergeant and commander's office. And they came in, and the commander said, no, it's all over. You didn't meet the standard. You didn't make it. You did not know where you were going. And he sent both these guys home. I remember the crying, but this is what I'm thinking. There's people all over this town this morning, and they think they know how to get to God. They think they have the reservation. They're working. They're trying to do everything. They're trying to check every block. They're trying to do every job. They're trying to be that nice person. But if God was to call them home right now, there'd be a lot of crying. And they'd say, you don't know the way. You didn't have the reservation. Folks, I'm so glad that God gives us a path to walk on, and that path is Jesus Christ. That path is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He alone will take us to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. And we don't ever want to be like those two men who failed out of Anak. And, and then finally, so, so first we looked at a person to believe in, a place to rest in, a promise to rely on, a pathway to walk on, and then last, a peace, a peace to live by. And we're moving ahead to verse number 27, and we're all done. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In England, in the early 1900s, late 1800s, there was a doctor, his name was Abernathy, and Abernathy was known throughout the world for putting cleanliness practice in place when people did medical surgery. He partnered with a doctor in the United States, and they were coming up with cleaning solutions and ways to bake instruments and to keep people from getting infections. And this guy became a millionaire. <clears throat> he was very, very rich. His practice exploded. Uh, instead of having one, one person out of 10 die from getting an appendectomy, he had 160 without any dying. Uh, lives were changing. Doctors were coming to conferences. He was, the <clears throat> he was the biggest guy around. He was flying to the United States. Things were changing. They changed practices completely. They changed the way they made scalpels. I mean, they were doing everything. Everybody wanted an appointment with Dr. Abernathy. They waited. This one man made an appointment. He waited six months for an appointment. He finally got in on a Thursday afternoon with Dr. Abernathy, and Dr. Abernathy said, what's wrong with you? And he said, I'm depressed. I'm heavy. I don't know what to do. I never want to leave my house. I, 
I'm lazy, I'm sick, I feel bad all over, I, I just feel miserable. And Dr. Abernathy stopped him and looked at him and said, Sir, what a waste of money you've just made today. All you got to do is go down to Piccadilly and listen to this, uh, listen to this comedian named Grimaldi. Every time I get heavy, every time my life's upside down, I go down to Piccadilly and I listen to Grimaldi. And Grimaldi makes me happy and he makes me laugh. And, 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 and because of that, I'm good for another month or so. And he said, that's my prescription for you. Go down to Piccadilly and listen to Grimaldi. The doctor looked down and he saw this man crying. He said, what's wrong? And the man said, I am Grimaldi. You know, folks, we've got to decide. We've got to figure out where we get our joy from. We've got to figure out where our peace comes from, where that calmness, where that peace be still comes from. If the answer is anything else than Jesus Christ, if the answer is anything else than God, the answer is wrong. Because we don't need a comedian, we need a savior. When times are hard, when, when life is upside down, we don't need to go somewhere to laugh, we need to go somewhere where our heart will not be troubled. Well, he gives us a person to believe in. He gives us promise to rely on, a pathway to walk in, and a peace to live by. You know, folks, you can have that peace this morning. The Bible says there's four things we need to know to be saved. The Bible, first of all, says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But what do we got to call upon? How do we do this? First thing the Bible says is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible's pretty clear because one sin entered into this world, we're all going to die. Folks, don't take sin lightly. One sin changed the entire world. We need to get that right. Second thing the Bible tells us is there's a price on sin. You know what the Bible says? For the wages of sin is death. Because sin has entered into this world, we're all going to die. As long as there's death in this world, there's sin in this world. As long as there's sin in this world, there's death in this world. We've got to understand we're sinners. There's a price on sin and great news. Jesus paid that price. You know what the Bible says in Romans 5? It says, but God commendeth his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God freely sent his son to die for us. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty great thing. That's a pretty wonderful thing. But we can know those three things. I knew them for years. You can know that you're a sinner. You can know there's a price on sin. You can know that Christ paid that price and still go to hell. Because the Bible says that we must speak it with our mouth and believe it with our heart. The Bible said there needs to be that time where we pray and ask Christ to save us. Believe it in him alone. and Believe it in our heart that he alone can do that. And he'll save us. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know about you, but those are some great words. Let not your heart be troubled. Would you stand with me this morning? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm going to get out of the way. They're going to do communion, but i got a couple real important questions. So we're standing. Our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed. The camera's not looking at anybody. We're just talking real quickly here. You remember a time in your life where you knew, number one, you were a sinner. You knew, number two, that there was a price on sin, and that price was death. Number three, you knew that Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, paid that price for you freely. And you accepted him. You spoke it with your mouth. You prayed to him and asked him to save you while believing in your heart that he alone can do it. Say, Brother Doug, I did that. I'm 100% sure I'm saved this morning. Would you raise your hand up? 
Raise your hand up and say, I'm 100% sure I'm saved this morning. Would you put your hands down if you raised your hand? Do me a favor. If you raised your hand or you raised your heart because you couldn't raise your hand, would you pray for those who couldn't? If you're here this morning and say, Brother Doug, I'm not sure I'm saved. It's okay. That's why this church is here. Northern Bible Church is here. So you can. Folks, there's nothing more important than knowing for sure you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I certainly hope these last few days have been a blessing to you as we have went through some of the sermons from the Bemidji area and look forward to more new content coming your way tomorrow. Um, nothing more important than understanding that Jesus Christ died for your sins and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Listen to every word Charity's got to say here in just a minute. And uh, if there's any questions you have about that, contact me. Contact me personally. Drop me an email. I'd love to talk to you about your salvation. We sure do love you folks and are so honored for the opportunity to be able to come on and be part of this broadcast and to be able to be part of your lives. Thanks for tuning us in. May God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, Understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.